You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. This is episode six. Let's get to the show. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me here at From Sobriety to Recovery. It is the most wonderful time of the year. This is my number one favorite holiday, and if you've been following any of my posts on Instagram this week, you will know I am talking about Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday, everybody. Hope I didn't shatter your eardrums there. Trying to calm it down. Trying to calm it down. Not feeling too successful right now. It is literally my favorite day of the entire year. I am a huge football fan, and... The reason I'm talking about Super Bowl Sunday today for this episode is because of how important the Super Bowl was actually into me getting into sobriety and moving into recovery. Now, for those of you who aren't huge football fans or sports fans at all, you're still going to be able to get great value out of this because it's really talking about uh, what is the cue that drives the craving, that gives the response, that provides the reward. Uh, specifically for me, I I can look back to January 13th, 2017, when I quit drinking alcohol. That was my first day with no alcohol in my system. And, uh, well, let's just say my first day without consuming alcohol. I probably went, I think it took me about two weeks of detox to get over the shakes and and whatnot and laying in bed and hot and cold and not being able to eat and, and just being absolutely miserable and having gone through that so many times in my life, I certainly was very familiar with how to get myself out of that situation. Um, you know, for those of us who binge drank uh, or just were, you know, drinking that consistently for that many years, we have, you know, we all have a system, right? I had a system. Um, why Super Bowl Sunday is important? One, I'm shooting this the morning of, so we're not. I don't know who wins. I'm fingers crossed that it's not the the Darth Vader of the league, Tom Brady. But at this point, I don't ever plan on betting against that guy again. I don't know how he does it. He is amazing. <laughs> I'm just, I'm done rooting against him. I will just root for the other team, and I will not root actively against him. But I want to flash back, guys, to my mindset going into 2017. I had already decided that I was going to quit drinking, and I had already I had health net earlier in the year. My sister had checked herself into rehab. Her drinking was out of control. Um, I started helping pay for portions of that rehab process for her, and she really got me believing and truly understanding about myself that I could do this too. I remember um, she actually called me from the rehab center in Colorado Springs with her therapist to talk to me about what she was going through. And she happened to capture me um, blasted out of my mind drunk. And I remember I started to cry and I was just like, you know, I just feel like I was, I was saying things like I feel like such a failure and, and I'm no one to look up to. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm so gl- grateful that you're putting yourself through this. And I wish I could be there. You know, it was just a lot of tears. And, and I ha- haven't cried since my mom died uh, on Valentine's Day of 2007. I haven't cried without alcohol in my system um, since then. I've only cried five times since 2007, and those were all under the the influence of alcohol. Oddly enough, I'm having dreams about wanting to cry, and then I can feel it like welling up inside of me, and here comes the emotion, and the eyes get all red, and it's like, all right, here comes a good cry, and then stop. Uh, Something in my brain shuts that down, and so part of my recovery process is, is 
breaking through those emotional barriers that I have and, and seeing why is it that I can't cry. I think crying is extremely important, and it's definitely going to be a topic of a further episode. Um, but going back to that conversation with her, I remember hanging up being like, this is it. I can't continue to be like this. And so I started making steps in preparation for my upcoming sobriety, switching from HealthNet to Kaiser, because I know Kaiser has an in-house program, whereas HealthNet wanted to like have me go from meeting to meeting, but all over the city of LA. And I just needed one place where everything was. I, I could not have done this without Kaiser. And regardless of what your thoughts and feelings on the Affordable Care Act are, I couldn't have done this without Obama pushing through the ACA, because I couldn't have had, I can't afford insurance without those rebates or vouchers or whatever they're called. I mean, I'm still paying 100 a month, but I couldn't afford COBRA, which would have been 600 Without Obama pushing through the ACA and making sure that people like me could have health insurance, I couldn't have Kaiser, and therefore, I don't know how I would have done this, right? I mean, you know, it's so structured with Kaiser, whereas AA meetings I get, you can go to them often, right? But those people have their own lives. No one there is being paid to care about my sobriety. When I go to Kaiser, there is people there whose sole job it is is to counsel me and put me through therapy and, and talk with me and make me have piss tests every month. I mean, there's there's people. There's there's an entire village there ready to support me. Um, and nothing against any of those meetings that we can all go to. But those people have their own lives. They're not being actively paid to do that. So without Kaiser, I don't believe I could have done this as easily. Would I have figured out a way? Uh, no doubt. Um, luckily, I don't live in a world where I have to think about that. I'm blessed to live in a world where I have insurance and I can go to Kaiser and I can I can, I can can do my whole program and system through them and they can have just been phenomenal for me. Um, and so when I got into this whole idea, I was like, okay, this is going to happen. I will quit after the Super Bowl in 2017. And that was the Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl. Um, I, but when I quit, I didn't know that. I'm just giving you guys some some sort of time frame. If you're football people, you'll know you'll remember that game. And the week leading the week leading up to that Friday the 13th when I quit drinking was just bad, and uh, my body started to reject any kind of water, alcohol, food by Tuesday, and I kept trying to just force it to drink. And I had stopped eating days before, and it was literally just like water, tea, anything I could just get to stay in my system, just trying to sober up enough so I could keep drinking. And that was, that. I mean, that was painful. And waking up on my bedroom floor that Wednesday and Thursday morning, in fact, I'm pretty sure I was waking up on my bedroom floor every single day by that point, because um, I was afraid of spilling booze in my bed or being so blacked out drunk that I might you know, piss my bed. Like I just, I just was like, I just was sleeping on the floor a lot. I was, you know, vomiting. It, there was issues. <laughs> I'm trying not to paint too ugly of a picture here. I don't know what you're doing right now as you listen to this, and I don't, don't want to f- catch you in the middle of a meal. Um, just know it was bad. And um, it was, but to, you know, in my head, I had it set that it was going to be Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday was going to be my last hurrah. I was going to wake up that Monday. I was going to be extremely hungover, but that was it. I was going to stop. I was going to stop. I was going to stop. You know, like just make it to Super Bowl Sunday, have your last hurrah. But I know, I remember my past Super Bowl Sundays. I would get so blacked out drunk that I would generally be drunk for the next day, two, three, or four. One year, in fact, um, God, which was which was one of the Broncos Super Bowls, maybe. Maybe it was the Seahawks-Patriots Super Bowl. Um, I stayed so drunk that week that I kept coming out of my blackouts and re-watching the Super Bowl because I was never quite sure who won the game. 
And I posted something about this on Instagram at From Sobriety to Recovery that like, I was like, I think the Patriots won, but I'm not so sure. It was just a pretty much a given. The Patriots are in the Super Bowl every other year, if not every year. Um, and so my Super Bowls were, it was a culmination of my entire season. Like for me, football season was permission to get as drunk as I possibly wanted to. I stayed in college for 12 years because I didn't want to get out in the real world and have to all of a sudden have a light be shown upon my drinking. Best place for a person with an addictive behavioral mindset or somebody actively pushing through addiction, regardless of your drug or, or alcohol of choice, is college. There's tons of alcoholism going on there, and most people just they treat it like a benign issue. Like, oh, well, he's we're in college. We're all just having fun. No big deal. And it is a huge deal. And one of the reasons I launched my other podcast, College Success Habits, is to discuss how we create habits at a young age that ultimately lead us to either a really awesome life or a life where we have to try to figure out how to manage things. Um, I'm trying not to get too far off the subject here because it is because I have a point. <laughs> I have a point for all of this. Um, but, you know, coming up now, this is my third Super Bowl sober. And just looking back at, you know, was it this football season of 2017 is when I started going to refuge recovery. Up till then, I had only gone to Kaiser Permanente's meetings. You know, they had a couple things at night. They had some things in the morning. I was hitting all of those. Um, I started going to refuge recovery because I wanted to make sure that I had a really strong stable foundation in my sobriety because football season is my cue, right? It's, oh, here comes football season. Now it's time I can really crave the drinking. Like I can always find a reason to get drunk, but boy, I'll tell you what, football season, it's like, here comes a game on Thursday. Then sometimes there's a college game on Friday. Then don't even get, you know, here comes Saturday. Don't even get me started. Saturday, I'd work, I'd work my morning shift and then I'd get off and I wouldn't have to work again until I had Sunday, Monday, Tuesdays off for the longest time at my, at my, one of my jobs. So I, I would be able to get smashed on Saturday, smashed on Sunday, start coming to on Monday, but generally stay pretty blacked out. And then on Tuesday, pu- start putting myself through my, my little detox process. By Wednesday, I was able to eat food. Uh, I think Wednesday would be the day I would clean. So Tuesday, I would lay in bed and be in suffrage of pain. Wednesday, I would go to work, and I'd come home, and I'd clean the house, and I'd start to sweat, and that sweating would help. And from the sweating, I would get a mild bit of hunger, and I'd, I'd have like some chicken noodle soup and crackers. Then come Thursday was my actual real chance to eat a meal. And then I'd work my Thursday shift, I'd come home and I'd I'd eat like a real meal, um, hit the gym, try to get another sweat in, and then do that again on Friday. And then here comes Saturday. So really there was like three days of trying to recover just so I could get back to Saturday so I could do this and get back to drinking. And I would just do this from, you know, September 1st all the way till Super Bowl Sunday, which is generally the first weekend of February. And... You know, looking back at that, I mean, just a horrendous way to treat myself and just a really painful way to go through life. And so now when football season starts, you know, there's this great relief that I have that I can enjoy watching football, but I don't have to do it the way I used to. So one of the things I wanted to discuss here today was my cue craving response reward habit structure that I've been talking about uh, with all my friends. I, you know, got this from Atomic Habits, which is a great, it's a great book. Um, And I won't, uh, let me, before I get into that, let me preface that my therapist doesn't think that the words cue craving response reward are the best things to use when discussing 
um, ways of setting up new habits versus breaking old habits when we're within the confines of addiction recovery because cue and craving response and reward. I mean, that's the whole idea of what got us into addiction. But in order to pull yourself out of the addiction and really be able to move yourself into an amazing space where you thrive in sobriety and you can move into recovery, it's good to, to, to come face to face with these words and start to see how you can utilize them in actual setting up good habits. You know, this is, you know, to, for if you're day one or, or day 30 or day 90 and you're, and you're still battling through some of those initial pauses that you might have about is this the best version of yourself and are you ready for this monumentous movement, I get it. You know, and so I, I, I'm here to offer you the not hope, but strength and confidence in, in telling you that at day 751, like I'm at, I am very comfortable with being um, in situations where alcohol is being consumed and being uh, around things that used to cue, cue the craving. And it's tough. You know, I will, I will never deny the toughness. And one of the things that I remember being told right off the bat in recovery when I got checked into Kaiser was play it out to the credits. Now, I want to talk about this so that you guys can understand it the way I do. And when people say, well, do you think you'll ever be able to drink again? Do you think you could have one drink? And I'm like, well, you know, besides the whole AA moniker that one is too many and a thousand never enough, let's just discuss this as let's play it out to the credits. Like you've, like I've discussed in previous episodes, we have the bell's been rung. We are we were a caterpillar and now we're a butterfly. We're now we're a butterfly within it with that has that has gone through addiction and is in is in sobriety and recovery or is at least seeking that path. You can't go back to being the caterpillar that was never an addict and make different choices. So now you can become a butterfly who isn't addicted to alcohol and drugs. That's not the way it works. We were that. We are now a butterfly. We can't go back. You can't unring the bell. Right? There's never going to be a point in time where I'm going to be able to, to confidently say, yeah, sure, I can just have one. I have seen people use the verbiage, oh, I can manage this. I can manage just having one. I can manage just having two. I don't want to do that. I don't want to spend all that effort trying to manage that monster. I've got better things to do. And one of the things that, oh, that always keeps coming back to me in my brain is playing it out to the credits. Right? For some people, they can have one drink and they can stop. Maybe I could go off and have one drink today and then say, I'm only going to have one drink every Friday. And then I just wait, 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 wait for that Friday, right? But it's only a matter of time before that one drink on Friday turns into one drink on Thursday and maybe one on Wednesday. And it might take months or even years to get to the point where I now all of a sudden I'm waking up in my bathtub again and confused as to what happened for the last four days and trying to retrace my steps through my credit card charges, right? Like it, it might take a while to get back to that monster, but playing it out to the credits, I know it will get to that monster. Some for some of us, we already know one drink. I mean, hell, if I'm if I relapse, I'm all I'm all in. Let's go. Let's let's get handles and let's freaking do it up. I, I already know that personality that's inside of me. So I play it out to the credits. One drink for me isn't the same as one drink for somebody else. For me, it unleashes a beast that I am not willing to 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 partake in anymore. I do not want to participate with that old version of me. So playing it out to the credits is something I want to stress on y'all to use whenever someone tries to, to get you to slip, whether it's having a cigarette, whether it's having a hit off the marijuana bong, whatever, whatever. I, I say marijuana bong like I'm a narc. I used to smoke a lot of dope. And uh, to me, that was all that that's a, that to me, that could be a gateway drug. Like I'm not t- 
touching any of those things because I don't I don't even want a hint of that in my life. I don't know what the what the straw that broke the camel's back could be, so I'm just going to stay away from anything that'll make me intoxicated. So I really want you guys to think out there when someone says, "Come on, just have one or just do this once." It's just like play it out to the credits. Actually see what would happen if you had that one drink. And regardless of time frame, you know you'll get back to where you once were. In fact, it'll probably be worse because you'll have deprived yourself for so long that now it's like, God, I must have it all. And so I really want y'all to, to think about that. Play it out to the credits. And that, that, that whole thing comes like from the idea being that, and this is how it was told to me at Kaiser, is that you have this, we can have this fantasy idea of what one drink would be at the bar and you're playing darts or you're having fun, right? It's, and it's all good. Right, but the the part of the daydream that we don't see is the morning after when you have to wake up and you're hungover and you feel like crap and you've done whatever you've done to embarrass yourself and you're just generally disappointed with why you did what you did. Right? Like play it out to the credits. You don't just get to live in fantasy land where you get to have a couple drinks, do a shot, everyone's laughing, having a good time, everyone goes their separate ways, and you wake up and, and everything's all hunky dory. Because that's where the fantasy doesn't normally get to play out in our heads. We say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll have, I'll have some fun with my friends tonight, and then that's all we want to see. But in reality, we got to wake up the next morning with that monster back inside of us. And again, if your friends are those kind of people who can have one or two and wake up the next day and hit the ground running and nothing seemed to bother them, great for them. But something tells me that as people who um, are addicted to alcohol and drugs, we probably surrounded ourselves with similar kinds of people. So don't be fooled into thinking that they've all got it together either. Right, you know, Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, this is the day for the beer commercials and the liquor commercials. And these liquor companies paint these amazing ads where everyone's dressed to the nines and they're walking in, you know, with a bottle of Kettle One or whatever it is. And the party's extravagant and everybody's beautiful. And, uh, you know, at the end of it, hashtag drink responsibly. My ass. First of all, these liquor companies don't care if you drink responsibly, right? They already know going into it, most people don't. I mean, yeah, they don't want you know people getting into car accidents with, with empty bottles of Kettle One on the floorboard, so that gets blamed. But drink responsibly is just something that they do to seem like they're, 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 they're doing their public service announcement part. Like, see, we care. We don't want people drinking and driving. And, and no doubt they don't want people to do that stuff. But whenever they're producing gobs and gobs and gobs of this booze, Hashtag drink responsibly is their feeble little bit of effort to prove that they somehow care about social injustices or whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish with that. Same with the beer companies with, you know, the sexy models and the good time and the talking horses and the teddy bears and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's like, come on. This is one of those days of the year where getting insanely intoxicated just seems to be a rite of passage of watching the Super Bowl. Much like New Year's Eve or Fourth of July, it's like, oh, gotta have our beers, you know, gotta eat the barbecue, gotta get smashed. I mean, it's just, it's, it's so, alcohol is so centered around our sports that for a lot of us, I can imagine it being extremely difficult to go back to watching sports once we get into sobriety and recovery, right? And so, think about what is it that, what is your cue, craving, response, reward? Right For me, my cue used to be football season starts. Now I crave the alcohol. My response is to drink copious amounts because now I can justify watching football from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. My reward is being able to get drunk and watch football and just sort of live off in my own little la-la land and not worry about life. I remember 
many people telling me back in college, like, oh, I don't like to get too drunk because I don't like to lose control. For me and my type A brain, I was always in control. I was tired of being in control. I wanted to just not be in control. And alcohol and drugs were the best way to get there. Like, yeah, let's throw it down. Let's not have to worry about being in control for this day. And when you're in college and you surround yourself around a bunch of other drunks, for the most part, no one else is really going to notice or care about what you've done either. So here we are now as adults, or for those of you who are still in college, look around and see how these other people are are getting intoxicated whenever they watch games. And so for now, you know, one of the things Atomic Habits talks about is to create a good habit, you need to make the cue obvious, the craving attractive, the response easy, and the reward satisfying. But to break a bad habit, you need to make the cue invisible, the craving unattractive, the response difficult, and the reward unsatisfying. I'll repeat that. You have to make the cue invisible, the craving unattractive, the response difficult, and the reward unsatisfying. Now, with sports and going and watching those, you know, if that's the cue to start drinking, that's you can't make that invisible. But you can make the cue different. You can say, oh, well, now when I get around to watch football, you know, I'm going to make sure I'm around friends who all aren't getting intoxicated. And now my craving is going to be for that social interaction that cheering on the sports team provides. My response is going to be to, you know, drink soda water and keep a full belly of food because I don't know about y'all, but for me, when I had a full belly of food, I didn't really want to drink all that much, if at all. And so one of the main reasons I would get blasted for five or six days in a row is I just wouldn't eat. And now your reward can be the satisfying knowledge that you just had a really cool bonding moment with all your friends. You watched a game. You enjoyed it. Now you can get it in your car. You can drive home without fear of repercussions from anybody waiting for you at home or by the law. And you get to wake up the next day and you get to feel awesome. Like to me, playing it out to the credits, the best thing is I know that today, whenever I go up to the Magic Castle to watch this football game, I'm going to have friends that I haven't seen in a long time there. I'm going to stuff myself on burgers and ribs and, and bratwurst. And while everybody else is, you know, chasing the metaphorical dragon, trying to get their beers and trying to get their alcohol in so the game can become fun for them, I'm going to sit there. I'm going to enjoy it. You know, I'm not the kind of person that remembers plays and certain things. Like I, I was sober the last two Super Bowls, and I really couldn't tell you much about them. I remember in the Falcons when some Patriot like kicked the ball off of his ankle and somehow caught it. Uh, I could tell you last year that I remember the Carson Wentz touchdown catch from the running back. Like I can remember some of those things, um, but I don't remember plays like some people can remember. You know, remember second down and three with three minutes to go in the third quarter and that one guy? No, I don't remember any of that. My brain does not care to remember that. I go for the social interaction and the enjoyment. And so make that what you're doing now. And play it out to the credits that tomorrow morning while everyone else is feeling all hungover and like, especially if you're on the East Coast where the game doesn't start till 6.30. At least living on the West Coast, the game starts at 3.30 here. You know, if, if somebody went out and had five or six beers, they, if the game's over at six or seven, they, in theory, could eat a little food and hope to get to bed early enough that they would feel okay. But I know that would be me. Like generally by this point, over my last few years of drinking, you know, like I said, I would take Saturday off from my job and I'd start getting smashed on Saturday. I'd show, I remember one, the year for the, that the Broncos played the Seahawks, I showed up to the Magic Castle Super Bowl party already smashed. I blacked out there by third quarter. 
right? I mean, it didn't help that the Peyton Manning-led Broncos were getting their, their butts kicked. But one of the, the last play I remember was Percy Harvin returning the opening kickoff of the second half. And that's it. Out for the rest of the time. And I stayed all the way to the end of the game. And I don't remember doing that. Right? So we're wrapping up here because uh, I'd like to keep these episodes under 30 minutes. So it's, it's this is a big game. And for those of you out there who've been listening to this, who think, well, I'm not a sports fan, think about something else that's monumental to you that comes up. You know, maybe it's going to a nice dinner party. It's going over to friends' houses for game night. Um, maybe it's going and, and watching uh, your kids play Little League and then all the parents meeting up for drinks afterwards. Or maybe you're in a softball league and afterwards everyone goes to the bar like there's something in your life where generally alcohol is somehow associated and now that you're getting into sobriety and recovery you don't want to continue having that need for alcohol be the over pressing issue whenever you arrive there right like sure sports is that for me but maybe you're not a football fan but if you if you like sports you pick your sport it could be the NBA Finals, the NHL Finals, the Major League Baseball season starting, spring training. Now you're sitting in the stadium and you're drinking a 12-pack before noon. But, hey, it's totally cool because everybody's doing it, right? But that's not right, and that's not okay. It's time to flip the switch and become a bit different, better person. Whatever it is you need to start to do in your life that allows you to see that you, that it's infinitely, infinitely better when you don't have to wake up with a hangover. Even if they offered me a pill that said you will never have a hangover again, I still don't want to drink. Because now that I'm sober, I've gone to these social interactions. And what I've seen is people chasing this, this, this addiction, chasing this need to become intoxicated. And now they're not, there's like a light. I see a light in people's eyes that switches off whenever they get to a certain level of intoxication. And it's different for everyone, right? A woman who, who two glasses of wine in is drunk versus a guy who drinks 15 beers and has a buzz. The, when that light flips off in their eyes is, is a, at a different time, but it still happens. I remember back in college, girlfriends telling me that they didn't like it when I got intoxicated because I, they were like, you're not here with me. And I remember thinking, I'm here. We're talking. We're laughing. We're having a good time. Now I get what they're saying because now when I get around people and I can see that that switch flipped, there's just a little bit less present. They're just a little bit less their actual selves. Now, maybe they like that version of themselves, but it's not the person I was enjoying being around. And now that since I'm not intoxicated, I'm still here, you know, at this baseline and now they're up or down and they're doing their thing. And it's like, it's not the same person. When people start getting that way, I'm just like, yeah, okay, I should just go home now. You guys keep having fun. Uh, you know, I saw a meme on Instagram yesterday that said, um, not going out, um, staying in the house, um, going to bed early, eating healthy food. Uh, what were once punishments as children are now my adult goals. <laughs> and it is really remarkable, um, the transformation that happens when, be, when, when getting rid of intoxicating things out of your life becomes the main focus. And just the things that start becoming what you really yearn for and want to do. And so for those of y'all out there who were watching the game yesterday, because obviously this was recorded, I mean, literally the game starts in about three hours, um, you know, who made it through that, I, you know, now I'd like for you to reflect upon what you saw. Reflect upon the people you were around. You know, the, how much louder they got towards the end, or, you know, or because of the alcohol, or maybe just because of the game. Like, just look, 
look back and reflect upon what you saw. And not not with judgment, but just reflect upon it. what did you see? What did you experience? What was that what was that game like for you? What was that interaction with all those people like for you? This is the new version of yourself, and it's and I get that it, for I've, I've been reading a lot of I, I've I follow so many people on Instagram. I will anybody is welcome to my community. We heal together is one of my taglines there, and it's at from sobriety to recovery. And I'm I just I I just go through and I just start following anyone because I'm just trying to find everybody at a different stage and seeing what they t- what they're posting and what they're talking about. You know, I mean, this one woman talked about how, you know, like all of a sudden her kids were wanting this and she burned herself a coffee and her husband wasn't helping and her kid was playing Fortnite when she was working on his homework and she just got like this boiling of rage inside of her and she had to run upstairs and pray and that's what helped her calm down instead of turning to the bottle. And I'm like, yes, yes, see that in yourself. See what the cue is that causes you to crave alcohol, that makes the response to reach for alcohol, then the reward is alcohol. Figure out what that cue is and change it. If it's got, you've got to go pray, you've got to go run, you've got to do some push-ups, whatever it might be. Because I'm telling you, I, for in a million years, if you'd have told me I would have quit drinking in 2017, two weeks before that Super Bowl, if you'd have told me that at the beginning of the season, I would have laughed. Been like, there is no way that I will check myself into rehab before the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is my favorite holiday of the year. It is my favorite day of the year. Back then, it was my favorite day to get smashed. And now it's completely different. Now it's this, this celebration of an amazing football season. I'm grateful that I've enjoyed all the games that I have sober, and I can't wait for the season to be over with. I want my free time back on the weekend. I have this whole how can I miss you if you're never gone mentality with football. If it doesn't go away, by the, then how am I ever going to yearn for it come August? And the beauty thing about it is, you know, after the college national championship game, then it's just playoffs for NFL, and then it all culminates today. It's been about a month since Clemson beat Alabama, and now here we go, Rams versus the Patriots. And I'm just like, thank goodness football will be over with. And if the Rams win, living in Los Angeles, that will be hilariously awesome. I I will go down and find the parade and just stand amongst it, because I've never been in a city that's won a national uh, football league championship. So that's it, guys. Um, really, really excited for this game. I'm really excited for today, the ending of the 2018-19 football season, Super Bowl 53. It is a cue for me to just be very happy that I've made it through another football season. I've done an amazing job in my life. I want you to see how you're doing an amazing job in your life, whether you're at, whether you're at second one or second one trillion in your sobriety and recovery journey. It is all all important. It is all worth it. You are just as special as the person with 10 years if you've only got one day, right? I wear a necklace uh, with my AA chips. Um, I don't go to AA, but I, I like to wear the chips. And one's the two year. And then on the other side of it, I went out and bought a 24 hour. So I can remember I've been sober for two years, but I'm only just, I'm, I'm just making it sober today. And I'm not worried that there's going to be a relapse today. I'm, I'm well past that in my sobriety and recovery stage. And now I'm into this, let's, how can I heal myself emotionally stage? But it doesn't mean I get cocky. It doesn't mean I, I get all, oh, I can do anything I want, whatever I want. I'm still very mindful of what's going on around me, but I'm not sitting there afraid that I'm going to trip into a keg and all of a sudden wake up in, you know, Tijuana. Um, wherever you're at in yours, just be safe. Just and understand that 
while we may not be drinking, a lot of people are out there. So take an Uber, be safe, wear your seatbelts. Much love, everyone. As always, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review me on whatever your podcasting app is that you're listening to this on, Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, iHeartRadio, whatever it might be. Uh, Please subscribe, rate, and review. I love building this community. I really, really, really cherish the time that you give me and the fact that y'all are all listening to this. And as always, follow me on social media at From Sobriety to Recovery on Facebook and Instagram. I'm really active on Instagram at From Sobriety to Recovery. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm going to kick that back up again, probably sometime in March. And that's at Jesse Mogul. And other than that, guys, just uh, go out there, be safe. If you, you know, I'm talking to you like you're getting ready to go to the game. For for a lot of you, for all of you, that, that was yesterday. Um, so I just hope that you were safe. But just know that it's like I'm sending I'm sending out the vibes for everyone to be safe and to be awesome and to have a successful day in sobriety recovery. I'm I'm sending that out to you now. So if at 11:47 Pacific time, 2:47. Is that right? 2.47 Eastern Time. All of a sudden, you felt a warming in your ears and a, and a, and a happy glow in your heart. Then that was from me. And I'm, uh, bless you all. I'm, uh, bless you all. Thank you so much. Here's to another successful uh, football season, another successful day of being sober in recovery. As always, the power of positive energy, release, and flow. Take care of one another. Love you guys. Take care. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.